Hi, everyone. I'm Chelsea Brown, and welcome to The Millie Podcast. The more I talk with people, the more I'm hearing the same thing. We're all looking for more meaning and more substance. People want to get away from the scripted reality and get to the heart of each person's story. This podcast is for women who want to rip up the script and explore new ideas, places, and possibilities. Every two weeks, I'll be talking with an inspiring and inspired woman who is creating impact in her community. And more importantly, a woman who can teach us to be ourselves, go after our dreams, and write our own story. I can't wait to share this journey with you. It's time to see the world in a different way. Welcome to the first episode of 2021. This past year has been a roller coaster of emotions and uncertainty, and it's left us with so many questions. I know I'm not alone when I admit that there have been times where I felt overwhelmed or afraid because I didn't know what was going to happen next. But honestly, I think what has kept me inspired and optimistic are the stories of triumph, determination, and strength each woman has brought to this podcast. At Millie, we've always believed in the power of stories to change perspective and forge connections. But I feel like during this past year, we've really been able to experience the power of this idea firsthand. I also think that at the end of the day, we can only do our best by trusting the process and most importantly, trusting ourselves. If you're really passionate about doing something, it's because you genuinely believe that that is aligned with your values. You don't have to do... I would say like 100 million things. You just need to do a few things to the best of your ability and really give that the energy and focus and love. I am so happy to be back behind the mic welcoming our first guest of 2021, Dubai-based Aya Satter. How can we really focus on being present and creating space in our minds to be out-of-the-box thinkers? Let technology run its course, but focus on the creative part of your mind so you keep on challenging technology to become better. Aya is a believer in startups and has helped bring companies to life across a range of industries, countries, and ecosystems. She's the founder and CEO of Bolt, an event management company that supports startups through hackathons, workshops, and bespoke accelerator programs. It's an incredible thing to be around entrepreneurs who genuinely believe that the world is a good place and, and we can make it better if we just focus more on ourselves. When it comes to facing adversity, I think if you want to do something, it's not about thinking about, I'm a woman, I cannot do it. It's about thinking to yourself, I have a goal. This is what I have in mind, and I'm going to reach there eventually. And you are constantly moving closer and closer towards your vision of where you want to go. Aya has delivered TEDx talks in Rome and Dubai, covering topics from Society 5.0 and the role of startups in the experience economy. And she joins us now on the Millie podcast. So let's get this started. Hello, Aya. Thank you for joining us all the way from Dubai. It's my pleasure. Okay, so let's start with the elephant in the room. You are absolutely not the average person we see rising to the top of their game in tech. It's a male-dominated industry. No, you're right. It, it really is. Um, I think it's really important to you know to create that gender balance in tech. Uh, specifically because, you know, if we think about AI um, being coded by men, right, that's uh, that's our lives, that's our future that's being designed uh, by men. So it, it really needs to incorporate um, both sides. And I'm a huge advocate for trying to encourage uh, more uh, women in STEM, um, more people in STEM in general, so that we can get a better understanding of how to 
make full use of the future. How did you become involved in this industry? I mean, was it something that you were drawn into or something that you maybe found and just fell in love? You know, it's interesting. Before I went to Babson, uh, I graduated from Babson College, which is a, a small entrepreneurship school and the remote area of, of uh, Massachusetts, like tucked uh, between Newton and Wellesley. So, you know, one of the, um, the main things that I took away when uh, I, I completed my degree was, you know, how do we um, how do we tackle the future? So where are we going? Where are we headed? Uh, was sort of the question that we all asked uh, each other. And there were so many different tech, uh, tech clubs, uh, entrepreneurship clubs around campus. And, you know, by default, you get involved in these competitions uh, and you're, you're sort of mingling with people who are always thinking outside of the box. And uh, this really attracted me to the field. I, I thought, you know, what better than to spend your time with people who are very intellectual, Mm-hmm. Uh, very interested in uh, in the future and are constantly challenging the status quo. So I thought I would love to spend the rest of my life being part of such a culture. So mm-hmm. it, it really was attractive uh, back then and it became really hard to go back <laughs> to you know anything else, to be honest. Wow. What kind of person do you think you have to be to make it in that industry? Yeah, you you uh, you're asking such a great question. I actually was listening to a podcast by Sam Altman this morning, who is the president at Y Combinator, and um, I've I've recently become I would say refascinated by him. But you know, he really points out some of the characteristics of a great founder, uh, which which I found to be very notable, and so notable that I took notes about it. <laughs> so. Um, the the things that he describes a great CEO to be are um, to be visionary, um, to be uh, a person who executes, mm-hmm. and a person who also adopts a do whatever it takes type of attitude. And you know he talks a lot about um, culture, so I think this is something we can all really learn from. It's as soon as you have more than one person in your company, you create a culture, yeah. uh, and you have to decide and really early on how you want to really evangelize that culture how do you want to become um you know how, how do you want your company to become so i think he says he says really early on envision what you want to be and then envision that your whole company is going to be like that uh, and that's how you build good culture so uh it's it's really interesting that you, you asked this question I, I was just thinking about it this morning and it, it really is um it's an interesting and important topic for sure. Mm-hmm. Actually, that leads me to another question on that. What is your process when you are building your corporate culture? Um, I, I actually had a, a nice trail of comments by a few people around the topic of, you know, how do you build a strong company uh, and a resilient, a resilient one for that uh, matter? So one of the things we had discussed is really building a team slowly. Um, not bringing anybody sort of uh, by force into the company just to to grow at an early stage. I think a lot of what you need to do is build slowly, build organically, um, really be close to your customer when you start, and then start to see what are the areas that um, allow for you to grow uh, into a bigger company. And if I can add, in the words of Zuckerberg, you know, he hired a growth team really early on in Facebook. And he thinks that they're still the most important team in his company. Uh, 
and he really believes that everybody should have a growth team. So it's interesting that you asked this question again, because those are those are the things that um, I'm starting to think of for my own team. I really want to build a culture that's sustainable uh, and that you know believes in the brand, believes in the company values, and wants to grow with it. Uh, so it's really important who you select to be on your team and and how you uh, how you really share your vision with them and and feel the energy from from that team to see if if you're really aligned on on where you're going because mm-hmm. sustainability is key mm-hmm. this might be a controversial question women can face many challenges and stereotypes within the startups and then just hearing what you're saying now do you think men and women face different adversities or maybe handle leadership differently. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because if you listen to into Sheryl Sandberg and, you know, she's sharing her experience being in one of the most sought after positions in the world by both men and women, right? Not just not just by women. Uh, and, you know, you listen to her the way she talks about leaning in and, and claiming your spot on the table so elegantly, but so um, with so much assertiveness. So I think one thing that you know you can learn from different leaders in in high positions is you have to be completely yourself uh, in any position that you want to take on, but also you need to be a good leader for others, right? And I think one thing when we talk about women versus men, or you know, what's the I would say what are women faced with versus what men are, are also faced by. Um, here it's a, it's a little bit of a gray area, right? So are we talking about um, sitting in a, in a certain position within a company or are we talking about, you know, the, the sort of the smoke break, uh, whiskey glass after work type of conversation um, that usually takes place with the boys? So what, what is the bigger challenge here for us? Is it that, you know, we're not connected enough to sit on in the position that we want, or are we not qualified enough to sit in the position that we want, um, or both, right? We, we can go on for hours about this question and, and debate and re-debate. I know. For sure. Yeah, it's a big one. But I want to start at the beginning of like you. What did that journey for you look like to this confident, empowered, which I've heard people say, girl boss, with you? How did you get here? You know, I I always believe that you have to be a student uh, from now until forever. So, I think the more that you ask questions, you um, you're curious, right? Like you you never know the real answer behind something, but you're always seeking it. Mm-hmm. And I think people really uh, admire passion when when they see it, uh, as I think it's it's almost like a rare thing to come by these days, unfortunately. Um, so like one thing that I always think about is if you're really passionate about doing something, it's because you genuinely believe that that is aligned with your values. So I, I would you would never see me closing a deal on a on a project if I don't believe in it. That's that's my rule of thumb. And the second thing is, you know, surrounding yourself with people who you want to be around. I think one thing you, you'll realize when you're running your own company is you choose who you want to work with and you also choose who you don't want to work with. And I think that the second you really realize the power is in your hands and the impact 
of your company is in also in the fate of you know whatever you decide to do next this is when you start feeling like okay i can i can be a lot more choosy about who i want to work with and what i want to do next mm -hmm. but at the same time you gain a lot of respect from people who you know have been encouraging you to move forward uh, for a long time you you realize that a lot of people out there also want uh, to see people do good in this world. So I think that's always been a motivating factor for me is I surround myself with amazing people. Um, I'm never shy to ask for help. Never, never, never. Um, I absolutely love seeing other people who are passionate about their business. Like Chelsea, I'm a big fan of the work you're doing. Uh, and honestly, like it's an honor for me to even be on this podcast with you today. So you know, th these are the things that matter. These are the things that really matter to me and, and they inspire me to keep doing what I'm doing. These are the motivating factors for me. Uh, Aya, thank you for saying that. That means a lot coming from you. So what does the startup community look like in Dubai? Yeah, so I think you would be shocked to see how much, you know, the UAE has grown in, in the innovation landscape. So you know, we have one of the biggest conferences here called Step uh, Step Conference, and they started off as just a tiny little idea, and now you know we're we're being compared um, to Rise Up, we're being compared to uh, South by Southwest and Web Summit. So you know, the, the, it's amazing to see over the past few years. I would say we started looking at innovation around 2012, 2013. I think we were a few years late uh, compared to other markets. Um, now you'll see the private sector investing more in generating opportunities for, for startups by partnering with them or, or funding them. So there's a lot more, um, I would say, inclusion and acceptance. Um, and then you have an amazing push by the government. So one thing that I'm, I'm very proud of in this country is, you know, the, the public sector are extremely involved in uh, anything related to entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. So from, you know, from the healthcare industry to the fintech to edutech, whatever it might be, the government really supports these initiatives. So, for example, we have uh, a hub here called Area 2071. And you're probably wondering why 2071. So it's incredible to say that the UAE was, you know, was offered its independence in 1971. And Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid Maktoum, who is the VP uh, ruler of Dubai, wanted to project what could take place in the next 100 years after their independence. So, you know, today it would be 50 years into the future. But back then, you know, we're talking about 100 years post-independence, like what will Dubai look like? Uh, you know, he, he really believes in um, developing a strong future for the country. And uh, prosperity comes from collaboration, it comes from innovation, and it comes from uh, acting on your word. And I think these are some of the, the beautiful principles this country is really born on. So the innovation landscape here really is developing uh, quite fast. Uh, and it's honestly, it's starting to become more and more exciting uh, just to be here. In terms of uh, facing adversity as a woman, um, I think maybe because I studied in the US and I came back to Dubai, you know, a lot of what I learned in college was, was confidence. Um, and confidence in my speech, confidence in my work, um, 
confidence in delivering good, uh, you know, good quality work. That's, I would say, the criteria of what you need to um, you need to hand in every time. And that's how you maintain the respect of anybody you work with. And that's how you consistently um, do well uh, in life, I believe. It's, it's your integrity at the end of the day. Now, I think when it comes to facing adversity, I think, look, I always imagine it like this, right? So if you want to do something, you really want to do something, whatever it might be, whether you want to meet the highest uh, ranked official in the government or you want to be invited to uh, speak on a specific panel or you want to apply for a, a, a top tier job. I think it's not about thinking about, I'm a woman, I cannot do it. It's about thinking to yourself, I have a goal. This is what I have in mind and I'm going to reach there eventually. And that's that laser vision, that ability to focus on saying, I'm going to reach there. This is the power of, of being, I would say, a confident individual. It's not about, oh, I, I was supposed to get there now, and but I didn't get there now. None of that uh, is true. It's, it's always about you will get there when it's your time to get there. But And if it's really what you want, time is not a factor at all. It's just a means. It's something that's passing by you. And you are constantly moving closer and closer towards your vision of where you want to go. I wouldn't say that, like, I, of course, we, we face certain challenges. But, but the question is, are those really challenges or are they just things that we think are in our way? Hmm. You, you see what I mean? Yeah. Like, is it really a problem? Like, how big is it? How big is that problem? Is it solvable? Can I ask other people to come in and help me solve it? Um, or am I just going to get lost in my thoughts, my negative thoughts into thinking I can't do it? So I, I really challenge this, not just for women, but also for men to ask themselves that question, right? So did I not reach there because I don't think I'm capable of reaching there? Or do I think something is truly in my way? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's how I would look at it. I mean, you say you learned confidence with your undergrad, but how do you get through moments of self-doubt? If you have any, uh, I work out a lot. Okay. <laughs> so I, I think discipline is super important. Yeah. Um, discipline allows for you to focus on what you need to focus on now. Um, it allows for you to create deadlines in your mind that, you know, by a certain time on a certain day, I need to be done with X, Y, Z. Um, I schedule in workouts throughout my week. So that I, I know that if I if I had a hard day or I had a moment of self-doubt, like I have those moments where I can really um, just enjoy a good workout. The second thing is admitting to yourself that you're tired and you need a day off. And what's amazing is I have a lot of respect for the investors who have put money into, into the company. But also, you know, I have very candid conversations with them where even they tell me like, look, you need a day off. You need to refresh and, and come back when you're when you're kind of ready. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think it's so important to be comfortable with your body's energy and to always listen to how you're feeling. I, I think those are the, the key things that keep you uh, sane and also keep you a positive individual. It's it's important to remember that you need time off and you sometimes you you know, that's OK. That's that's totally fine. I, I guess as an entrepreneur, sometimes you feel you know, you feel like you're failing or you feel like you're maybe being selfish 
by taking time off, but it's actually the opposite because things can, the integrity of the work can sometimes fall between the cracks, right? If we're overworked. So uh, one of your quotable quotes is, the more entrepreneurs we have in the world, we'll have a more positive world with a lot more impact. Why do you think entrepreneurship is so important and how it can shape the world in a positive way? I can't but help remember some of the incredible mentors I've had in my life. And they really come back into mind when, when you said that's when you said that statement. Because, you know, I, I used to surround myself with people who like were just shining from the inside. You know, like it, it's it's an incredible thing to be around entrepreneurs who genuinely believe that the world is a good place and and we can make it better if we just focus more on ourselves. And what's incredible about entrepreneurs is they have razor sharp vision on what they want to achieve but they always do it with a better purpose in mind than a bigger company or like an older corporate right there's always this new knowledge and that new knowledge encompasses humanity within your business it reminds you that everything that you're working for everything that you're doing is for the sake of humanity it's for the sake of the betterment of humanity so I think what's amazing is entrepreneurs are being taught the new ways to, to work. And, and that includes uh, impact in a very positive way. And it, it, it promotes inclusivity uh, and diversity on your teams and, uh, and you know, making sure that your culture is, is rich and positive. And, and these are the elements that you really think this is why we need more entrepreneurs in the world. So that, that for me is, is why. Mm -hmm. Speaking about entrepreneurs, how do you think COVID will affect their journey? So, so this is really interesting. A friend of mine, his name is Hashem Al-Ghaili. Uh, he works with a lot of different scientists around the world. And, and he has the number one science nature page uh, on, on Facebook, actually. And I was asking Hashem about, you know, Moderna. And I was asking him about the vaccine and, you know, what's going to happen next. And uh, he said something really interesting, actually. He said, he said, COVID is not going to go away. He's like, but we're going to learn how to live with it. So very interesting, right? Mm -hmm. Because you and I, Chelsea, probably would take the vaccine, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe we take it again in another few months and then again in another few months, right? Um, because we truly believe that, you know, we should do things that are going to, let's say, not harm us in the in the long term, but also keep us safe for now. But how many of us actually would take this vaccine? Yeah. How many of us would actually opt in to stay safe? Uh, and is every government in the world going to force the people to take this vaccine? <laughs> Definitely not. Yeah. Um, right. And it, it, again, it's um, there is profit in the matter. It's not a free drug. It's not mandatory. So you have to remember that that free will is going to affect everyone else. So this is where culture comes in, right? And um, doing things that keep other people safe. So being safe is also a self-choice. And a lot of people have to make that for themselves. That's, that's one big thing. So I think now thinking about the fact that COVID is not going to go away anytime soon. And you and I both know every five minutes, another, you know, COVID-19 strain 95 just came out, you know, we're, yeah. we're constantly hearing that uh, PS, this is not the end. Yeah. Um, so I think what we're going to see now is a lot of companies uh, losing interest in real estate. That's for one. 
um, they're going to be imposing money, many more uh, work from home types of, uh, in, of you know rules. And if you ask me, I've been a nomad since 2014. Uh, I don't believe in having an office. I love WeWork's concept because it allows me to work anywhere I want in the world. Mm. Um, and it's a sharing concept where I meet amazing entrepreneurs who are exchanging knowledge and, uh, and positive energy. That's one. Um, and a lot of big companies are starting to realize that even them, at the size that they are, and the amount of bureaucracy and politics that's also involved, is, is it really worth it to be at that scale, to be at that size? So, you know, there's a lot of things that are going to come up now is, you know, if we're working away from the office, how are we going to learn to trust each other? You know, uh, are we going to, you know, are we going to trust our, our teams more or how are we going to adapt to this? So now every question, uh, every question I've just raised is now under the spotlight for each, like each company is now under the spotlight and forced to answer these questions. So I think um, what we're going to see next is, you know, entrepreneurs are going to get out of this a lot faster because they already implement a lot of uh, nomadic culture within their own companies. It's, it's the bigger companies that are going to suffer a little bit more because they're going to take longer to try and implement uh, these changes. And the most important question that comes up now is, does everybody trust their team? Are they, are they able to allow them to work um, at a distance? So I think we're, we're going to see a lot of changes and a lot of interesting things happening over over this uh, period of time, of time. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And I think a lot more people are seeing the value in having the more, I guess, nomadic, as you said, lifestyle, but the working from home lifestyle. People are resilient. People are connecting. And some people are even more efficient um, working from home. Oh, I love what you said in your Instagram, how you schedule, you know, I actually might take this on with my team, coffee breaks. Did you mean that in like Zoom coffee breaks? Yeah, we have like a Zoom coffee break where we all have just a little bit of a chill out time where we just catch up and we just, we have a coffee. So Yes, because you said you do this in the office. So then you should continue to do this virtually. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So your mom told you, do your best. Mm. Don't be average. Choose. <laughs> and of course, your, uh, you know, your life to date is opposite of average. What did that mean to you? And how have you taken that and put that into your life? So I'll tell you something really personal about that talk. Um, and I didn't realize it until I read the comments on my TEDx, uh, which also you know, it, it does shake you to your core when you have so many people um, offering their opinion on on the subject that you're sharing. Mm -hmm. So that's that opening line. Um, actually, I received a comment from somebody who said, uh, life is much more simple. You just need to choose what you want to do and then you'll be happy. Right. Um, and, and it's funny because it was exactly what I wanted to hear back is you don't have to do. I would say like a hundred million things. You just need to do a few things to the best of your ability and really give that the energy and focus and love. And the more things that you do that are in that have a commonality with each other, I think that's where you really can and should invest your time. Um, so something that I realized when I when I was delivering that talk is I was doing so many things at the same time, right? And a lot of the things that I was doing were not connected. 
And this is why it became harder for me to even move. Like I became the person who was slowing myself down. So when my what my mom was trying to tell me, which I think she was really happy after I delivered the talk and received the comments back, it was like, look, you don't need to do everything. You need to do what makes you happy. You need to do things that have a shared common vision. Um, and that shared common vision has to be shared with your values as a person. Um, and that's when you, you start to be a, a happier person. Uh, and you, you don't contribute uh, on an average scale. You do, you do your very best because that's what you know how to do. And that's, those are the areas that you can really excel in. That was really the, I would say, the comeback of, of, of saying that statement my mom shared. Mm-hmm. You speak publicly quite often. This actually takes me to my next thought, which was about your TEDx Roma talk, which is available on YouTube for everybody. But I'd love to understand more about you know, why it's important to expand our minds and explore topics mm-hmm. like this. You speak so passionately about it. It's really cool. And I'm not a, I don't have a, a technology background. So, you know, why should we expand our minds like this? What happened was um, I was talking to an engineer about this concept and he's like one of the smartest engineers I've ever, I've ever met. And I was trying to explain to him the concept of time and through a discussion of technology and discussing how AI and, uh, and augmented reality are going to be shaping our worlds, mm-hmm. I had this sort of vision of three planets sort of swimming next to each other in the middle of a galaxy. And as soon as I imagined the three planets swimming next to each other, I had this moment where I was like, okay, I need to sit down and I need to write this out. I need to understand what this theory means, right? So I just went on researching for hours and hours and hours. And, you know, I was like, you know what? This is almost like a methodology. This is something that we can use. And the idea was, if everything that we're doing today is optimizing our efforts, right? So technology is allowing for computers to to think faster than us. Um, You know, the biometric systems are allowing us for us to move and pass through things uh, with security clearance. Um, you know, you walk out of a room, the light bulbs switch off. I mean, I, I'm describing things simply for you. But the, the trick here was to think about how do we start to get people to think about wellness and mindfulness and let the technology do all the hard parts of our life? How can we really focus on being present and creating a lot of space in our minds to be much more, I would say, out-of-the-box thinkers? Let technology run its course. Let AI design things for us to be, so we can become smarter. But focus on the creative part of your mind so you keep on challenging technology to become better. So it was really about segregating almost like our worlds, like really appreciating everything that you can have full access to. But the idea was whichever world you're in right now, optimize your time there so that you can extract the most amount of value from it. Don't spend time swimming in the three and just picking what you want from it. Be very focused on every single, I would say, space of time you're in. So this this was the this was the idea. Wow, honestly, that is so cool. I just loved your talk on this and inviting everyone to check it out on YouTube. You are an advocate for women in business and you talk about the boardroom a lot. How are you actively championing women leaders. Yes, it is definitely something, Chelsea, I'm super passionate about. 
And I really believe it's, it starts with confidence and, you know, pushing yourself towards achieving the goals that you have in mind for yourself. Uh, that's where you'll end up in terms of if you really want to get to the highest post within a company or you want to be on the board of a company or whatever vision you have in mind for yourself, you will be able to achieve as long as you're confident in your decisions. And, you know, I mean, maybe this is not the best person to use as an example because she was branded a little bit of a culprit in Silicon Valley. But Elizabeth Holmes talks about, you know, never having a plan B, right? Um, unless your plan A is very corrupt. But, you know, this concept of not having a backup plan and really just going for it and failing and pivoting and getting back up and moving, I, I really admired that perseverance in terms of saying, you know, I have a vision in mind and I know I want to get there and and really becoming confident in my actions and and becoming very confident with failure as well will get you there. People want to sit across a table in a boardroom from other people who have failed and who are confident enough to share their failure with others, because that's what we're learning here today. Yeah. How have you approached your personal journey with boardrooms? I loved what you said once about listening to, to your elders, of course, but you know, you are um, a millennial. You're absolutely not the millennial stereotype, which is a topic I love because we see a lot of millennial stereotypes, you know, a little bit entitled. Um, you've also put it, you know, you don't have the right to be here. You have to earn the right. And I love this. And I think this, this is something that we do see from, you know, our parents and our parents' parents. Um, so what was your journey like to get there? And what do you practice every day when you're pitching a new idea as the younger um, colleague? No, it's a beautiful question. I, and I, it's beautiful for me because I wish I could teach more people to be humble because that's something that I try to teach myself every day. And it's not something that you, you wake up with. It's something that you have to remind yourself constantly that you need to be that way. And, you know, maybe because maybe I look up to my parents a lot. I mean, they came from a war-torn country and, you know, they, they put everything that they had on the table to support you know, us three kids, they even had to support their own families back home. So, you know, it's, it really was, I would say, the most difficult period they ever had to go through. And it was for the sake of the entire family. So I think one thing that I, I really admire from, from both my parents is uh, the energy and love and, and humbleness in terms of, you know, having provided us with, with, a, with a great life. It really taught us how to be more grateful every single day. I, I can't tell you, like one of my very, very good friends, Mia, taught me a lot about gratefulness. And she, she reminded me over and over again. And, and that became something that I had to ask myself um, when things were going right or even when they're going wrong. You know, am I still grateful for where I am? And not to be, not to put it into a, I would say like a positive toxicity type of setting where, you know, you pay, wake up in the morning, you're like, oh, thank God, at least I have water or thank God I, I have a bed. Like, this is not the point, right? The point is you have to be pleased with your progress in terms of the direction that you're going in and really focus on that and ask yourself the question, you know, am I doing the best that I can do to reach my goal? Am I being open with others? Am I being transparent about my challenges? So all of these questions really have to come into mind 
Uh, and you have to be just very honest with yourself. It's your conscience at the end of the day. You have to fall asleep to. So, you know, when you talk to yourself, are you are you kind? Are you uh, are you open? Are you are you willing to accept feedback from others? It has to be a lot of things that you have to challenge your your subconscious constantly with. Yes. I know we talked about this briefly, but I'd love to circle back to where does your resilience come from? I think it's it's also about the people you surround yourself with, right? Um, I have some incredible entrepreneurs that I, I went to Babson with, like Brittany Lowe, uh, CEO of Butini. Um, you know, she, she, she came into my room. I remember we were really young, uh, like just freshman, sophomore in, in college. And she was holding this, um, this little mascara and she was pitching her heart out. And she's the cutest thing ever. I looked at her and I was like, why are you doing this? You know, like, what's your motivation b- behind Butini? And she's like, I just love working in this industry. I think it's such a fun industry. And this is like little Brittany at 18 years old. Um, you know, what, what makes you resilient is, is the passion uh, that you have for this industry. I, I was always passionate about education. Uh, I was always admiring professors, um, scholars who, you know, are out there to give more to the world. And, you know, it just reconfirming that people who have access to education can make the world uh, a better place. Also, they can make a better life for themselves. And, you know, you might not be able to change the world, but you would be able to change the life of one person if you give them access to education. And I think this is really what inspires me to to keep working in this field is I might not be able to change the whole world, but maybe I'll help a few people realize that they can do more for others. And maybe before I die, I will be able to see that domino effect. And, and that's what makes me proud to be a human. And that's that's something that makes me proud to be still fighting in this industry. Wow, I love that. You said you were sitting with your peers, I think it was at your graduation, and you kind of had this moment of where are we going? So where are you going? What's next? I'd I'd love to talk about what I'm I'm working on now. What's my latest and most important project? Um, I've launched a company called Bolt. And uh, it's an event management company that's going to be, you know, creating programs, events, hackathons, workshops, uh, predominantly around startup topics. Um, across uh, almost every industry. And the idea was, you know, how can I create the future of my own company to be aligned with my own values? And something I really believe in is, uh, is in giving back and giving back educational opportunities for those who can't receive it. So what I, what I really intend to do with Bolt is create um, hubs for the, for the company around the world to find the change makers, to find the leaders who also want to teach entrepreneurship in areas where we can't get access to education. We can't have the bare minimum provided to us. So the dream for Bolt is to become an engine, a catalyst for many different cities that need access to education and creating almost like the ambassadors of Bolt to go out there and and create that rift, to create that change uh, in uh, in areas that need the most help. Mm-hmm. So that's really the, the dream of what I'm going after. And, and how can people get involved in that? Uh, so I have a website. It's called readysetbolt.com, yep. <laughs> which 
<laughs> so, uh, and we have a, a little link there that has, you know, join the ambassador program and, and people can sign up to, to get involved, whether as a mentor or maybe as just a person who wants to attend an event or somebody who wants to uh, run their own event uh, as well. So there's a few ways that people can uh, get involved. And I think you're working on other projects as well as this entrepreneurial project. Can you share a little bit about some of your other recent projects? Uh, when I was working with Emirates Airline, you know, the best airline in the world <laughs> has won many prizes, but um, Emirates wanted to get more involved uh, in innovation and they started to think about ways to support uh, young entrepreneurs uh, from around the globe, actually, to come uh, to Dubai and present their ideas to, to the airline. Now, I'll tell you, there's one entrepreneur that uh, he's just amazing. His name is Hungbo. And, you know, this guy was like, I want to change the whole duty-free landscape. Like, I believe that we have to revolutionize the way that duty-free is going to look uh, like in the future. And one thing I absolutely admire about entrepreneurs like Hungbo, and I really hope there's more like him in the world or, you know, can learn from him, is he was so humble, but so persistent and so open to trying out new things and pivoting and learning and my God, you sit with him and the first thing he tells you is, hey, did you know this fun fact about the industry? But the most important thing to kind of learn about from Hongbo is, you know, be, a, be an entrepreneur who doesn't step down and who waits for the opportunity to pitch his heart out. It's entrepreneurs like him that made it really worth it. Understanding that uh, it's your passion, your resilience, and it's your consistency in terms of pursuing your vision that makes you a great uh, entrepreneur. I want to ask you more about how just building that confidence and, you know, um, combating any self-doubt. I would imagine, you know, that first walk up to the stage when you're speaking at one of your TEDx conferences or um, keynotes, that must have been nerve-wracking. Yeah, so actually uh, kind of a funny story. I don't think I've ever told anyone this. So I was the first up. To give uh, to give my talk, and uh, the microphone wasn't working. Oh my gosh! And, <laughs> yeah, you're like and I'm hello. <laughs> so I actually did take one and then take Aww. two. Uh, but you know, I did it with like the biggest smile on my face, and I I didn't care because uh, right up front my parents were sitting, and I was so proud yeah. uh, and so honored uh, to see my dad there. Yeah. So it was like such an emotional moment, but it was it was really a proud moment as well. The second one, I remember I walked across the stage and I looked up and all of a sudden the entire audience just went blue. So my first reaction was, why did everybody just go blue? And then I realized, oh my God, everybody is listening to me speaking in Italian. As I speak in English, it's being translated on the spot. Oh, and just for a split moment, my heart like stopped. Yeah. Because I was like, oh my gosh, I hope the translator has the updated script. Yeah. <laughs> and I can't make any mistakes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that first fear moment as well of speaking in front of 2,500 people. Uh, with, and I say that because there were aisles filled with people. Like there were no seats and people were on the floor. So it, it really was like, beyond wow. anything I've ever experienced. But I remember just looking up and thinking, okay, 
The most important part for me to remember now is that all my jokes will not be received on time. Oh, so I, it's an experience, right? But it was so beautiful, and it was such an honor mm -hmm. uh, to be there. And and honestly, the energy from the audience was just on fire. So it was it was just an incredible experience overall. I would I would really encourage anybody who wants to um, to go after a, a TEDx dream to go on stage to do it. Mm -hmm. It's it's worth it, hundred percent. Oh my god. Thank you so much yeah. for joining us today, Aya. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed uh, talking with you, and thank you for sharing all of your knowledge with the Millie community. It's my pleasure. Thank you for joining me for this uplifting and motivating conversation with Aya Satter. Bolt is now live, and you can learn more at whybolt.com. Please join me back here again when I speak with founder and creative director of Zarif Design, Zoleika Sherzad an Afghan fashion brand based in New York City, Paris, and Kabul. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please hit subscribe, share with your friends, and visit us at millie.ca.